Okay, hello and welcome. A very special episode of TOEFOP, all the way from Splendour. I'm Charlie Clawson. Yeah, I'm Will Anderson. Yeah, we're backstage at uh, Splendour in the Grass. Um, like, out, out the, there's tents everywhere around us and, um, and people, like, sleeping in vans and, uh, like, smelly people. <laughs> It's like, it's like a, a trendy version of Woodstock. Like, I imagine that's how like Woodstock would have been if everyone was like really good looking and had expensive clothes and stuff. Yeah, if Woodstock it cost like 400 bucks <laughs> and everyone was wearing like jeans that cost a thousand dollars. It's really interesting at this, a festival like this, I think, the way people dress. There's like, seems to be two types of way people dress. One is purely practical, like gum boots yeah. and something that doesn't stain. And then there is, I'm gonna dress if there is an emergency and one of the members of the band that I love needs to be replaced, I can immediately step in because I will be wearing exactly the right clothing. You're like a, I'm not a really music festival kind of guy. Like I, I've never done a camping thing before. This is my first camping one and I've gone to a few music festivals, but you're like, you've gone to heaps, don't you? You love them. Yeah, yeah, this is my, um, oh, I wouldn't even know. I, I think I, I worked out last year, I've been a 36 big day out. Or big days out, I believe, is the... Uh, the plural. Yeah. It's like Grands Prix, you know. <laughs> You've got to say it the right way. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I do love it. I love uh, everything about it, you know. And I don't even really see bands. Do you think we look a bit weird? Just to set the scene for you guys listening, we, uh, we're sitting on two chests facing each other, almost like lovers. Like, we're real... Because we're huddled around this single microphone. We've only got one to share. There's a lot of very cool rock stars back here, and I'm just wondering if we look like two spastics. Uh, two, two lovers who, for some legal reason, have to record all their conversations. Like, it's like we're in mediation or something and we have to go and play this to our therapist. So, like, we constantly have to record any deep and meaningfuls we have. Well, the, the extra challenge for me is I'm trying to find the rhythm of the, of the conversation now. So I'm trying to read your eyes for when, like, you're going to speak so I can shove the microphone and, like, not have any delay. So maybe I think I'm going to adjust it just slightly. So I'm just going to speak it really slowly so that when it's my time to finish, I can just gently pass the microphone across like this. That seemed to work quite well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is there, have you seen any rock stars you were uh, particularly impressed by so far? Uh, Wolf Mother, they're around. Yeah, I, I'm the worst at these kind of things because I don't know. I'm like I like music. Uh, people think that I don't like music. I do like music. I just don't take an active interest in the sense that, like I know I know songs, but I don't know what the name of the song is. I don't know the names of the band, but I know what I hear. If you know what I mean. Like I listen to the radio and I hear music, but I have no way of identifying. It's almost like I have some kind of like dyslexia when it comes to music. Like I just, uh, like things like the Beatles and Elvis, yeah, okay, I understand who they are. But everything after that is really, really hard for me to keep, tra keep track of. I love the fact that you've just gone, I am, I am able to recognize music. <laughs> like if someone was playing white noise or music, I would definitely be confident that I would identify which of those two things was music. No, okay, let me clarify. I can identify, like, if um, I'm listening, like, that's Nirvana. I know that's a Nirvana song. I don't know the name of the song. Like, I know Nevermind really well, but I could not tell you the name of one song on that album besides uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I don't know the name of any of those songs. We're getting photographed right now. It's true, but not by paparazzi. Hey, can I tell you, quickly, before we get back to Slender, I got paparazzi for the very first time. Really? This week, yeah, totally. What happened? At the gym. 
What do you mean? I was at the gym and like a paparazzi guy came in and started taking photos of me at the gym. Like I'm like Princess Diana, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So is that one of those things where it's like spotted? Like Will Anderson working out at whatever gymnasium you're in? Uh, apparently, um, he like you, you try to sell him. Like he was saying, because I actually spoke to him afterwards. <laughs> so you made friends with the paparazzi? Well, I was like, I don't very, look very good when I go to the gym. I mostly look like I'm trying, like it, pretty much every exercise I do at the gym, looks like I'm trying to pass a particularly big shit. <laughs> where, was, where did he photograph you? Not in the shower. <laughs> it wasn't like, why well, you're getting changed. Are you sure he was a paparazzi? Just a guy with a camera who's <laughs> in the change rooms. Oh yeah, well this is, uh, it's for the newspapers. Yeah, just uh, take your towel off. Yeah, when I say camera, yeah, he had, he had one of those old school hats and he'd written the word press on a piece of paper that he'd stuck into the top of it. And he swore that it was filming the camera. No, he was a proper paparazzi. Turns out the gym that I go to is right near where they're filming the new season of The Block, you know, that renovation show, The yeah. Block. So he happened to be down there, like taking photos of The Block and just, I, I guess, saw me go into the gym or whatever and decided he would take photos. So he took photos through the window for a start and then he came into the gym and started like coming up towards me and taking photos of me doing exercises and stuff. What do you think about like paparazzi? Are you like, uh, do you think they're a blight or do you think they serve a function? How do you feel about paparazzi? I just think no one is gonna pay for money, like actual human money for photos of me at the gym. Of all the things that I do that are bad that you could like take a photo of, I, there was a photo of me they used to run in the Sydney Morning Herald at the big day out. And I'd had a pretty big day out that day. And that is, like they ran this photo, like just, like they never said what it was specifically about, but I used to run this photo over and over again. And honestly, if that newspaper that photo had run in had got like buried in someone's garage. Say like, you know, one of those crazy old people who likes to collect lots of newspapers, right? And they stack them in their garage. And then like 60 years later, this creepy old guy dies, yeah. right? And they go through and that, like the police are called in because this old guy died and they have to go through all the things. And the sniffer dog went into that garage. They would still bark. That's how off my head I look in this photo, right? And so me working out of the gym, that's a, I'd, I'd like my parents to see that. I hope, come, come and see me working hard and paying my mortgage. Come and take some photos of things that my parents will be proud that I've done that you can print in the Vova. One of, one of my uh, friends, one of the, I mean, it's not really paparazzi, but uh, this is when I first moved to Sydney, he came to stay and for some reason we had a night where everyone got really pissed. And uh, for some reason we thought it'd be hilarious to bust in on him while he's on the toilet and take a whole bunch of photos. Sure. That night was forgotten, we sort of moved on. And then about five years later, Vaughn Kerr found the photos, like he must have had them on his computer somewhere and decided to email them around to everyone. And it was literally like, you know when you see sort of like photographs of action happening, so it's like, you know, someone, it was him, like the door opening, him seeing the camera, leaning forward, trying to cover up, reaching for something to throw, the object coming towards the camera. So when that, when that email went round, the response from the guy who was photographed was just death. You will be visited by death. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I got paparazzi, but um, it hasn't been printed in the paper yet because I'm guessing no newspaper actually like would want, like, I just don't think that's anything anyone would buy or be interested in. I quite like paparazzi photos. I know that, you know, people don't like the paparazzi, but some of those shots are fucking brilliant. Like, when I used to write for NW and they used to send me photos to write captions for, it was like, oh, man, like... Even if I was like a big celebrity, some of those photos you gotta look at and go, that's pretty funny. Like you got me there. When you see the hairpiece blowing up, like Nicolas Cage's hairpiece blowing up, 
or like Lily Allen first thing in the morning coming out of a hotel. I think, I mean, some of those I think are pretty funny. I mean, I know it's sort of an invasion of privacy, but funny's funny, man. Yeah, I mean, I like I wear my tracksuit pants and Ugg boots to the shops. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not embarrassed. I like, you know, there's heaps more shit in my life that I'm embarrassed about other than going to the gym. <laughs> have you ever had like any issues with like the media sort of intruding? Like, have you ever had a problem with the media? Like, have you ever sort of had to tell them to back off for any reason? Like, you got pretty hammered over, what, the Shannon Noll thing? Was that, did, did it ever get to a point where you were sort of feeling like under threat? Nothing that I haven't deserved. Like, I've never felt like unfairly hounded about anything. Like, most of the time when I've been hounded by the press, it's been shit that I got myself into. When I was at the ABC, um, uh, it was a really big thing. Like, the government were like accusing the ABC of being biased against the government. And um, Richard Olston, who was the Minister of Communications at the time, um, had done this big report and he said the ABC were biased against the government. And on Triple J on the news, he, like that, that was the report. And off the back of it, I said, oh, come on, Richard, we're not biased. You just reckon that because you're a right-wing pig rooter. And which I thought was just a joke about bias, you know. Yeah. But um, that ran on page one of the, like, the City Morning Herald and the, and the Age. And I remember my mum just put it in perspective and she was just like, well, when do people start caring what you think? And I was like, it's a good point, Mum. So, Speaking of press, like, how long did that fucking Megan Washington interview go for? Like, I don't know Megan, and I'm, I'm sure she's got a lot to say, but um, for, we, had a, we, 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 had an, we had an incident. Megan Washington uh, was getting interviewed in um, one of the trailers that were, friends of ours were staying in, and I needed to get some keys so I could go get my gear to go have a shower. And uh, there was a break in the interview in which I asked the crew if it was okay if I just popped in to grab the keys. Now, this is how, like, forgettable I am. They said yes, and then within five seconds of me entering the van, they started rolling their cameras again. Now, if I was one of those guys who had a bit more self-confidence, I probably just would have walked out and said, oh, hey, look, I'm just going to leave, and, you know. But I got, I thought, no, I better let them finish the interview. It went for, like, another 20 minutes, in which I had to call you. You called me on the phone. Like, like, like it was a hostage situation. Like, you were, like, you distract her and, and, and get me out of here. Um, I, suggest- I honestly didn't know how long it was going to take, considering that the first half of the interview seemed to go for half an hour and I thought I was very patient. That could have gone on for another half an hour and I needed to fucking get out of there. I believe the, the interviewer's first question was, Megan, uh, explain your life every second from when you were born <laughs> until now. <laughs> could you just run us through that in real time? Uh, yeah, she was in there for a long time and you were like, can you bring me in some food? <laughs> what should I do? Well, I actually, I actually didn't know. I, I, I was wondering if... I was going to ask you, it turned into a joke, but I was seriously going to ask you if you thought it was okay if I could just walk out. Like, would you have just walked out? Yes. Yes, I would. You would have interrupted the interview? Well, uh, no, I would have added value to the interview. Would you really? You would have, you would have, bom- you would have bombed it? Yeah, she would have got a celebrity cameo <laughs> from TV's Will Anderson. Would you seriously do that? Yeah, fucking oath. So I think I'm too polite. Like, I always kind of, I am so, I hate the idea of inconveniencing people a lot of the time, and especially, like, at an event like this where I feel like, I mean, I am not here because I'm a musician or I'm actually doing anything. I'm just like hanging out to uh, interrupt Megan Washington. You know what? What am I talking about? I don't even know who she is. Megan Washington, man. You don't even know music. No. You, you know three bands. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones and Nirvana, apparently. So I don't think Megan Washington is high on your list of, uh, you know, she's, she's really cool. But she was talking for a long time. Now I. She seemed important. Yeah. I suggested that you should masturbate. Because I thought, well, you're in a caravan by yourself and there's no way no one else can get in because that's the thing, she's blocking the door. The very nature of your dilemma prevents anybody else from getting into that caravan. You have a large caravan in which you could have masturbated and then that would have been a great story. 
Do you reckon, like, because they had a boom mic there, if you very faintly heard the sound, you could just hear in the background just this, <laughs> just quietly in the background? Could that be, like, could you look at that retrospectively and there'd be some charge of kind of, like, um, indecent exposure or sexual harassment? Only if you came on her. So you can masturbate within close proximity to someone and it's no not an offence? If no one's seeing it, you can masturbate wherever you like. I don't, I don't think so. If I went to a public park and hid behind bushes and started masturbating and was hiding, that's, I'm sure that's illegal. Not if no one catches you. You can masturbate wherever you like if no one catches you. You can masturbate on a fucking tram if no one catches you. Are you no, there must be an indecent exposure kind of thing. Well, it's against the law. Yeah. But it's, if no one catches you, it's not against the law. No, but what I'm saying is retrospectively, like, just say I had what masturbated. Mean, how, how are you getting caught for this? I don't know, they've got some, maybe there's a security camera. Maybe there was another camera in the van that I didn't see. Could I be charged retrospectively with some kind of sexual harassment or indecent exposure? Uh, well, I'm no lawyer. <laughs> I'm no fancy big city lawyer. Imagine being a lawyer who specialised in public masturbation trials. Never lost one case. I think you will find, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that there was a second wanker on the grassy knoll and Megan Washington's head clearly went back into the left. Back into the left. It's, pro it's probably called the Pee Wee Herman defence. <laughs> I always felt sorry for Pee Wee Herman, man. Like, like I don't think that it should be illegal to masturbate in an adult theatre. But I think that was the, the public feeling. Well, not the public feeling at the time, but there was a lot of people who came to his defence when that story broke. A lot of people thought that was ridiculous, that a guy... I mean, it, it's not... It's not, it must be illegal, because he was arrested for lewd conduct, I think was the charge. Well, I think it is illegal, but it shouldn't be illegal. Like, I mean, if you were masturbating in Toy Story 3... But that's why people go to those, well, used to go to those cinemas, don't they? To masturbate? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why it shouldn't purpose. be illegal, yeah. I would have thought. Like, that's, I mean, that, clearly that's where that shit's happening. They don't have those anymore, do they? Like, sex cinemas. I don't... <laughs> that, that suddenly turned into a current affair <laughs> question, like you're luring me in. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have any anymore, do they, Mr. Anderson? What hours are they open there and what are the There was that famous gay sex theatre called the Hard... Cock? Oh, no, you got me! <laughs> no, they don't have them anymore, because why would you? Because the days of the internet, like even Playboy, like I was in a newsagent the other day, there's no pornos on racks anymore. Like why, why would you risk going into a newsagent and possible embarrassment when you can just download everything? I have no idea why you would. The internet has certainly changed all that as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm assuming there was some kind of thrill of going out in public and masturbating. I'm, I, I'm assuming that must have been part of it. Would you have, would you have done it? <laughs> would I have masturbated? Like if you'd grown up in the 60s, just when like, you know, porn theatres, you know when it's a bit more mainstream, the yeah. porn cinema, do you reckon you'd oh, yeah, have ever done it? Deep Throat was like in mainstream theatres yeah. and stuff. Or would I have masturbated in a public theatre? How do you clean it up? I don't think you do. I actually went to uni with a guy whose job was, um, he worked in a sex shop, like a Club X or whatever. Yeah. One of those ones where they have, a, they have like four or five viewing booths, so you can go in and you can select a video, you go in and you jack off, and then you return the video. And his job was to jizz mopper. Oh. Yeah, see, now, I know McDonald's is a shitty job, but surely, like, you know, the pay difference can't be that much different. Although, if it's a mop, it's a mop, you know what I mean? Like, whatever you're mopping up, it doesn't really matter what you're mopping up. Oh, come on, that's bullshit. I don't think so. I would. You, you've got your hand on a like a, a wooden pole. So are you so saying? No, um, no. But you know, like I mean, it's it's a mop. It doesn't really matter what you're mopping, does it? I don't know. I think it would. I think certain bodily fluids would make me more squeamish than others. Definitely, semen would would freak me out a little bit if I had to mop that up. You know what? What I if you had to mop it up with your hand, like with a cloth, a, a chuck's wipe? As long as I didn't get any on me, I'd be fine. You know, once when I used to work at a cinema as an usher. Um, 
It's such a pathetic actor story. I had an audition for a, a TV series and um, the character had to wear like a suit. He was like a, a businessman or a lawyer or something. And I didn't own a suit, so I borrowed a friend of mine's very fancy Italian suit. Anyway, after the audition, work calls and they say, hey, do you mind coming in and covering the shift? So I said, okay, and I went in in this fancy suit and just put on the, one of the work t-shirts over the top. Halfway through the night, this guy stumbles out of the cinema and is like, oh, look, I'm really sorry, mate, but I just, um, I just threw up in the bathroom. I'm really sorry, I just, I just couldn't make it in time. And I'm like, that's okay, man, I'll go clean it up. So I've gone and looked in the bathroom, and I don't know what this guy had eaten, but I walked in and there was vomit like all along the walls, down to the urinal, across the floor. Like it was almost like a jet stream had gone like in a 180 degree arc across the fucking toilet. So I go back up and I say to my manager, oh, it's pretty messy down there. Can we just shut the toilet and leave it for the cleaners in the morning? And he was like, no, no, because we've got two more sessions that have to come through. <laughs> and I said to him, I don't think you understand. <laughs> I don't think you understand what I'm talking about. Like it was, it was like The Shining when the elevator doors open. It was just fucking spew everywhere. But being the fucking guy, the, the polite guy, I agreed to do it. So I've rolled up this fucking expensive Italian suit, gone into the bathroom, and as I'm wiping up vomit off the ground, and it's one of those infrared urinals, and every time like my arm sweeps past a urinal, the urinal fills with water and more vomit washes down to the floor. At that time, I was like, you know what? I'm dressed like a guy who's successful, and here I am knee down, in, knee deep in vomit. That was like the point where I thought, you know what, acting can be a really, really shitty profession sometimes. I'm a sympathetic vomiter. Like, I, I don't like vomit. Like, I, I, the smell of vomit, the sound of vomit, the... Um, uh, taste of vomit. The taste of vomit. Uh, having vomit rubbed all over me, uh, people masturbating. Vomit comedies, <laughs> vomit dramas. Yeah, I'm not into vomit in general. They're, they're just like, I'm anti-vomit. I don't want to be like, vomitist, but I am not into vomit. We have established this in previous podcasts, you're not like a bodily fluids kind of guy. I'm not. But smell would be the major factor for me. But I was doing a show in Edinburgh where a guy vomited in my audience, like in the show and reviewer stayed like stayed there is nothing funny enough in the entire world that i would sit in my own vomit to watch like there was nothing yeah. that i've ever seen that was so funny that i would sit in a warm pool of my own vomit to enjoy people do that i'm not i'm like you when i vomit that's it game over i'm done for the night like i I've used to have those friends growing up who could get really fucking pissed drink heaps and then throw up and be good to go again. It's like, when I throw up, I fucking, that's it, I am done. Like, I, I, I vomit so hard that I burst blood vessels under my eyes. I once spewed so hard, I ruptured a blood vessel in my eyeball. Do you remember that? Did <laughs> you do. ever see that? I do remember that. That was when my girlfriend, Gemma, that's that, the, the time we sort of first met, really, was I had been out all night drinking and thrown up the next day. And I didn't realize I'd ruptured my eyeball. And I went to the pub to meet her. And she walked in, she said, what's up with your eye? And I thought she was joking. And then I realized that my entire fucking eyeball was ruptured. I spewed with such fucking conviction and force. That is a good vomit though. If you look at your vomit and it's got carrot and retina. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good bit, that is a good spew. When I, when I was 16, we used to, uh, I had media. I took media class at high school and they took us in for a tape. What's media class? Uh, it's like you study, you know, you make short films, you study films, you study journalism, all At that kind of stuff. high school? Yeah. You didn't do that? Really? Yeah. Media. Oh. Um, and so they took us oh. to see a taping of Hey Hey It's Saturday. For school? Yeah. And it was one of the rare Hey Hey It's Saturdays that's actually, they recorded live. Because I think it was... <laughs> oh no, we've established our love for Hey Hey. Daryl, 
Come on. Uh, you know how they used to record it on a Thursday? That was the that was the big joke about hey hey, it was normally yeah. recorded on Thursday. Yeah. But this one was actually a live recording on a Saturday. Yeah. And uh, this kid in my class, Ollie Sherlock, um, during one of you know uh, one of their segments, he spewed like right on the floor in the audience. Oh. And they same thing as a guy in your same thing happened to this guy who came to see your show. Like he spewed, but because it was live, they just let it go. And the audience are kind of like backing away and but they didn't stop the show, they just sort of kept going. Then got to the ad break and this security guard came down, got Ollie out of his chair, brought in a bucket, wiped up the spew and then left. And then Ollie came back down and they continued with the show. And not and it was you would not have known that anyone had just spewed during Daryl's monologue. Well, you know. I mean, you could probably guess that there's a lot of people spewing during Daryl's monologue. It's amazing. But, Someone yeah. who's just so into Hey Hey It's Saturday, they're like, oh, can't, can't miss it. Can't miss Chocolato. Oh, can't wait to hear another John, John Blackman homophobic joke about Molly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know there'll be three celebrities, and I'm not sure which of them has brought in <laughs> this hilariously weird object from their home. I have to stay tuned. You know what I used to I love about shows like Hey Hey or... Um, they don't really get them anymore, but you know how certain variety shows like that, they, they have celebrities that they get on, and that become, the celebrity sort of becomes more associated with the show. Like The Amazing Jonathan oh, was yeah. one of those guys Hale who... Pace. Hale and Pace. Don't you... Like, isn't that fucking amazing that when a show like adopts a celebrity... I mean, for, for, for you, that must be kind of a good thing. Like, if a show... Just say if uh, Jay Leno or Dave Letterman just took a real shine to you and, and you adopt... It's sort of a double-edged sword, though, isn't it? Because you can't sort of stand on your own, or... Would you want that? Like yes. if, if they offered you a segment? I'm, yes, I'm available. <laughs> Anyone who's really famous and rich, I'm definitely... No, I'm seriously, definitely. would you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't think you ever plan it like that. I don't think anyone goes, hey, like, yeah, I don't think they're sitting around at hey, hey production meetings going, let's make Hale and Pace our, you know, stars. They Hale and Pace go on hey, hey, and they're really good, and their audience responds to them, and so yeah, they become, course. like, you know... But there is, but there is a, a kind of risk when you're that performer that you know if you're going on a, that you're not the star of the show. Like you know, the, the host is the star of the show, and you're you know just becoming an element. To it. I don't think Halen Pace or the Amazing Jonathan cared that much because they had obviously. Well, I'm assuming they had an audience back home, or you know maybe a worldwide audience. No, you don't think so? No, I think that's why they loved it. <laughs> it was like they were coming. Can't believe we're getting away with this. Well, it's like who's the other one? The uh, puppet guy. David Strassman. David, and it was always his coming back to Australia. It's like, does the fucking guy ever leave? Allegedly, and I should say allegedly, but this story has been told to be on good faith. David Strassman, a friend of mine, toured as the support for David Strassman, the puppet guy. And as a... Fuck his puppets? <laughs> puppet fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty puppet fucker. Here's some things you might not know about David Strassman. He is a dirty puppet fucker. Allegedly. Do we have to say allegedly? No. The weird thing is... No, we heard that he's a puppet fucker. Yeah. That's what we've established. If we the, say we heard that he's a puppet fucker... The not. weird thing is, that, like, that's it's actually just masturbating because it's your own hand that's yeah, in right. the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not actually that weird. No. Like, he's just... Like, we've all masturbated with our own hand. Yeah. Hey just puts a character on that hand and makes it does, do some voices. So when you say, I'm just going to go work the ventriqu ventriloquist doll. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's kind of a tug. And, but he does, he does a routine where he hates me. Like he's, <laughs> he, can talk, he can talk dirty to himself in all kinds of voices as well. <laughs> would, if you were a ventriloquist, would you talk dirty to yourself? Fucking oath. Absolutely. Have you ever wanted to be like one of those shit skills? Like, you know, like skills that are mocked these days, like... 
do yeah, ventriloquism like, or yeah. magic or like any of those. Totally. Things. I love magic. I, like I'm always impressed by card tricks, all that shit. I, and you know what? I can never figure it out. Like I can't, I, like it's not easy to put, like, it's not hard to trick me. Like I just want to believe so badly no. that I, I don't pick fault in anything. But no, I, I guess um, I'd like, I think I'd like to be able to do like coin tricks, card tricks. If I was one of those guys who could like, you know, pull a coin from behind your ear or something like that. Close up magic. But you've seen my hands, man. There's no way I'm doing any prestidigitation. Hands. You can only. And now I take this tiny deck of cards <laughs> and I conceal them in my tiny. It's not. It's not a tiny deck of cards. It'd just be one big card. No, two big cards. Is this your card? No, it's the other one. All right. Uh, Why? Have you, which one do you want? Juggling. I can juggle. But you a can. But you bit. can teach yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you can teach yourself to do magic, mate. It's not nah, actually magic. No. Nah. Like it's not like Harry Potter. It's not actually, you don't have to fucking live in a cupboard and but go to Hogwarts. I think juggling would be e easier to learn than the other two, than ventriloquism. How do you say it? Ventriloquism. Yeah, ventriloquism. Ventri <laughs> say it again. <laughs> ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. Yeah, ventriloquism. Ventriloquism, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think juggling would be, I think juggling's the easiest of those. Really? Well, yeah, because Why? it's... I don't know, it just that seems like... Man. I don't know, because it just seems like the most basic, it's just throwing and catching, throwing and catching. Lots of balls! Or we'll start with two. Well, two isn't juggling. No, if you, isn't it? If you, right, no, that's how you start. Right. Oh, with the one hand, you mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how they teach you how yeah. to start. You need more balls than you have hands. Or it's not juggling. <laughs> Words to live by. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm never, I'm not that impressed by juggling. Oh, juggling chainsaws and shit like that, that's impressive. Right. Chainsaws, then you're impressed. Yeah. Not like eight balls. No, not really. Really? No, are you really? Yes, Honestly. I am. I would love to know how to juggle really well. We're recording our podcast, Ed. Yeah, well, we're working. Yeah, well, people love it, man. We're getting heckled. Can you fucking believe that? Podcast we've been heckled in. If well, technically, your dog Junior does sometimes come and bark at us. Yeah. I don't understand dog, so that could be heckling also. I'm pretty sure he's a big fan. We're big in the dog demographics. No, I'm not that impressed by juggling. I think it's I think it's a bit naff. All right, what about music then? We're here at a music festival at Splendor in the Grass. Um, like, are you impressed by music? Would you like? Yeah, to no. Like, I look, I mean, I think I was downplaying before. It's not like I'm a complete idiot. I do like music. All, all I, I am just not uh, as obsessive as some people are about music. Like, there's some people who are dying. You know, they have to see a band when they tour. I'm not. I guess the Beastie Boys is they're one of the, the few bands that I really will go out, and make sure I go and see when they come out. I'd love to see Weezer. I, I really like Weezer, but I've, they, Weezer? yeah, I'm a big Weezer fan. Right. But they don't ever tour here. They, I think they haven't been here for like no. ten years or something like they that. They died in 1980. No. What? <laughs> no, I mean, but it's like Weezer. Where did that come from? I don't know. I've just always liked. I like their music. Weezer. You don't pick me as a Weezer guy. No. Do you not like Weezer? Oh, Weezer, okay, I suppose. But I'm only saying I, like, I really like them. But I, what I'm, I bring them up in that if they came out, I'd like to see them because they never tour. But you would go and see Weezer. Yeah. Wow. Like That's the Pixies, surprise. for instance, I've seen them the last three times I've come out, and yeah. I'm not particularly fussed if I see them again tonight on this in, on this tour. <laughs> but watch out, Weezer! <laughs> when Weezer tour, when Rivers Cuomo <laughs> says, I'm going to Australia, well, you know, you've sold one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> They're very popular. They're very popular. With who? Americans. I don't know. I, I was in the States when their last album was released, and it was getting, so, it was getting such a fucking big push everywhere. Oh, okay. Well, actually, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make them popular, but it does mean that they get a big push. They've got a good record company. What you're saying is, Weezer have a good record company. <laughs> Who's your Who are your favourite bands? 
Well, um, you know, Pixies. Like, who do you always go and see? Like, if they come out, it's just, like, mandatory. Pixies. Um, Arcade Fire. Radiohead. Um, uh, Nine Inch Nails. I was always massively... They were a much better band live than... like. I wouldn't necessarily ever sit at home and listen to a Nine Inch Nails album, but they were my favourite ever live bands. Uh, the Cure. Um... I don't know, like lots of, you know what I'm like, I, I like music, I go to music all the time. I had a chance to see The Cure on their last tour, uh, it just, but with perfect irony I guess, being The Cure, uh, I broke up my girlfriend. <laughs> you were too depressed. <laughs> I didn't feel like seeing because I felt too sad. I've never seen them before, actually I'm still pretty fucking bitter about that. We're back together, but Jesus, that's my one chance to see them, but I was too depressed. Oh man, that's really sad. Have you ever gone to a, um, like, are you, are you one of those guys who dresses for the band? Like, if you go to the Beastie Boys, you're all that trainers and hoodies. If you go see, like, The Cure, are you eyeliner and fucking black. No, you just wear black all the time, don't you? Yeah, I just wear black all the time. Um, no, but I, I remember going to see Blur uh, play at the, um, is it the Metro in Melbourne? What's the one up the. Yeah, Burke Street, yeah. And I, I saw a Blur play there. And I went with Alan Bro, actually. And, um, that was one of those nights where people in the audience looked more like they were in Blur <laughs> than the actual members of Blur. Like, it, it was quite amazing. Oh, so, David Strassman. Sorry, I had to tell you this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, puppet da fucker. David Strassman, puppet fucker. When he's not masturbating into his own hand with a puppet on it and talking to himself, he also does something, well, allegedly, but this has been told to me, I'm pretty good authority. Okay. Um, by a comedian who I won't name, but let's just call him Nave O'Deal. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, toured with David Strassman. And as a celebration at the end of the tour, they all went to one of the strip clubs in Melbourne and got like a private room where you can get like a, a stripper in the private room, right? So everyone sat around and this stripper came out in this mask and did this big like strip, right? And then at the end, she took off her mask and it was revealed that it was David Strassman's wife. So he got his wife to strip for all the comics on his tour? Yeah. And all the crew. So is she a stripper? I don't know. I'm... Well, I mean, technically, I guess, yes. <laughs> in that she's taken her clothes off in front of people. That would be... I mean, that would be, that would be weird if she wasn't a stripper. If she is a stripper, it's like, yeah. Really? Well, yeah, yeah, like, it's like Ice T's wife, Coco. She's like a porn star or something. I wouldn't be surprised if I was hanging out with Ice T. <laughs> well, okay, A, I would be surprised right. if one day I was hanging out with Ice T. But uh, if we were hanging out, I wouldn't be surprised if Coco came out and did a strip. Did you know about Ice T? Here's what, something I find interesting about Ice T. Is that, um, do you ever heard the term the lowdown on the lowdown? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Keeping things quiet, chill, like, you know. Yeah, right. Okay, right. That's what I thought it meant too. I'm just doing this on the lowdown. And I've used that expression quite a lot. Yeah. I'm going to do this on the lowdown. All right, you know, hey, between you and me, keep this on the lowdown. Yeah. Right. Well, apparently, according to Ice-T and his work on... Um, uh, what's SVU. That? SVU. Laura Lord SVU. Um, that the lowdown is what black men who have sex with other black men but aren't gay call... Like, you know, so if you were like... Yeah, well, yeah, secretly having gay sex. Yeah. Like, you know, say you're in some adult cinema <laughs> quietly masturbating <laughs> into your puppet hands. 
<laughs> and some some other guys come along and he's like, hey, you know, the puppet doesn't need to do that. Maybe I could have a go. But apparently black men who have other sex with black men who aren't uh, gay. That's called keeping it on the low. So how, where did you, how, where did you, is that an interview you read that? No, Laura and Otter, SVU. Why, oh, he said that what? What is on it? What do you mean? It was on an episode of SVU. But his character said that, not Ice-T. It's still Ice-T, man. No, it's not. <laughs> hey, uh, newsflash, Mike Myers isn't Austin Powers. He doesn't actually say, yeah, baby. Hey, that's uh, funny you should say that because I heard that about, um, and this might not be true and if I'm offending any of our Fijian listeners out there, but I heard in Fiji that that is definitely a, a mindset that if you are a straight man and you fuck another guy, that doesn't make you gay because you fucked him. If you take it, you're gay, but you can fuck another guy and that doesn't make you gay. And there's a lot of guys, uh, there's a lot, because my brother is gay and he says there's a lot of guys in... <laughs> I thought you were going, because my brother's Fijian. <laughs> <laughs> no. But my brother says that there's a lot of Fijians that he knows who... Uh, they, they, they claim to be straight, they go to, they'll hang out at gay clubs, they like to occasionally pick up a, a gay boy and fuck them, but they're not gay, they don't get really, they get really shirty if you call them gay. Right, so, it, it's, on, so it's only if you, so if you pitch, it's fine. So he's pitching, you put the dick in. Yeah, and if you receive. Okay, so I wasn't sure. Well, I'm just, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing the fucking, if you yeah. are inserting, then you, that's fine. that's fine, it doesn't make you gay. To receive is gay. Wow, in any form? Is that how it works? Like, say, say you're in a glory hole, right? <laughs> People know what a glory hole is, right? Um, <laughs> well, if they don't, David Straussman, I'm sure does. That much loved Channel 9 TV series, Glory Hole of the Wall. I, um, love, I love that we've turned, like, David Straussman is probably, like, donates to charities, he's probably, like, a, a humanitarian, and we're just turning into this sexual deviant. Hey, we're not the puppet fuckers. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, so... If you're in a glory hole, right, and... Sorry, are you sucking? You're sucking or you're... Oh, no. Well, this is what I'm asking you. Hypothetical, right? So there's a wall between you and there's a hole in the wall, right? And so if you stick your dick through that hole in the wall and somebody else sucks it or fucks it, right? Does that mean you're not gay? Yeah, you're not gay. Exactly. Could be a girl. That's right. Right. What if the girl says... Oh, that's great, right? Uh, I, I still, I think I my beard isn't rubbing on you too much. Look, I I, like, like I said, I'm not sure this is it. We could be like completely making this up. My brother may have lied to me. He's told me told me this a long time ago. But I think the idea is that if you are, if you have semen deposited in you somehow, then you're the gay one. If you're the depositor of the semen. But what if uh, they? But, but you know, but you don't have to have semen deposited in you. Like, so does that mean, if that if that's your definition, you get fuck someone and then like spray the semen onto like a nearby sock and you would only be gay with a sock? Well, then neither of you are gay. Right. I don't know. I find that, I find it a really, look. Does it matter? No. That's a weird thing. I, I, I just find it strange that guys who are obviously curious about like, you know, being with other men, they still need to hold on to just one that, that's scary of, you know. I just, I'm, I'm not gay, but I'm not gay, but I don't understand like why they're in such denial. I mean, it would be hard to be in denial when you are like fucking like balls deep in another dude, isn't it? I would have thought it's much harder to be balls deep in another dude than say, I'd like to be balls deep in another dude. What? Sorry, say again? No, I think it would be harder to do it than it is to say it. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, because when you're doing it, you've got to be aware that you're doing it. Yeah. There's no sort of... 
hey man, I think you're really cool and everything. I really like to bend you over, but do you mind if I stick this picture of Angelina Jolie to the back of your head that I've cut out of a nearby magazine? Well, this is the thing I don't understand about prison, right? Like, it's sort of like this accepted, <laughs> it's, just, it's accepted this kind of- This is one in our long series of things Charlie doesn't understand <laughs> about prison. So what is it this way, Charlie? Well, I'm just saying, like, it's it's kind of an accepted stereotype, isn't it? That a lot of, like, anal rape or anal sex goes on in prison because men have no access to females. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And so is the idea that, hey, man, what happens behind these walls is all cool? Like, are you, if you... happens in prison stays in prison. Totally. Like, if you're a big, big bad gangster or a bikey or something like that and you go to jail and you have a reputation as being a fucking hard man yeah. and then you go to jail and you fuck a bunch of dudes, when you come out of jail, do you then get called a homo? No, because I think, yeah, I think you're right. It goes into that idea that you're fucking a bunch of dudes and that's fine. But if you're like getting fucked by a bunch of dudes, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. I, it's, it's, I call it the prison clause. That is weird. <laughs> I just, yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like there's all these hard asses going to jail. No pun intended. <laughs> Would you fuck another dude if you're in jail? Uh, how long am I in there for? All right. Um, I don't know, like 10, 10 years. Yeah, probably. I think so. Would you? Well, probably in 10 years, if I met someone nice. If I ran out of puppets to fuck, if I, if I, got, if I somehow that became contraband, well, that's what I'd, first, first what I'd do is get a subscription to like some puppet manufacturer and get them to send me a new puppet each week. Right, what would you be more likely to do if you're in prison? If you're in prison, okay, firstly, what character do you think you are in prison? Like if you got sent to prison tomorrow, say we got busted today, um, Which character from Shawshank Redemption? That's probably that's like the yeah, that's, that, that's the atypical right. prison film. Yeah. Who are you in Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption? Definitely. Well, I'm Tim Robbins. Definitely. I'm the I'm the guy who's scared and terrified at the start, and then I would use my cunning to somehow. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'd somehow. I'd use my. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be a fighter. Like it's not like I'd I'd start hitting the gym and getting really strong. I'd I'd partner up with someone who could protect me, and then uh, I'd use my wiles to kind of survive. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know who I'd be. I certainly wouldn't be Morgan Freeman because I don't know how to get shit even now. <laughs> and like I'm, I'm on the outside. <laughs> like I wake up in the morning and go, where do I... I need a pocket knife to, you know, uh, dig a hole in the wall. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Oh, fuck, Bunnings, I suppose. So what's the first thing you've got to consider when you go to prison is like it's the oh. physical threat. That's the physical thing, right? Threat, yeah. So you've got to, you've got to partner up because you, you're not going to fight, are you? Well, I'm not going to fight. I'm not very good at fighting. Um, so... I guess I'm gonna to have to make a friend. Is there room for a wisecracker in prison? Definitely. Yeah, like definitely. You know? But you gotta, but you gotta have some muscle behind you because if yeah. you make the make a joke to some guy who's killed 14 people, he's got nothing to lose. I don't think one guy used to be on the the glass house is really gonna fucking worry him. He's, he's, he's gonna shiv you rather than write a letter to the green guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think the first thing you gotta do is find someone to protect you, like partner up. There's the, okay, here's a cliche about prison. They say the first thing you've got to do is um, you've either got to kick someone's ass or you've got to suck someone's dick. That's what they say when you first go to prison. That's the only way you can get through it. Really? So what would you do? Well, <laughs> I like to think that I would kick someone's ass, but I'm, I don't think I'm capable of that. Whereas I could suck a dick. So I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to be old dick sucking Anderson. <laughs> it would be hard. I mean, I yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think I would... I don't know. Would I? T it depends how scary it was. If it was a little wheeze, if it was a guy that I thought maybe physically I could have a shot. I just need to point out that as we were having that conversation, a dude walked by and heard me say, oh yeah, I'd suck a dick, and then waved and smiled at me. 
I hope you've got a lock on your tent tonight. Sorry, go on. No, that's it. No, I don't, no, that was going. That was no. What was I saying? Oh yeah, no. I think I think I'd attempt to fight. I, like depends if. I mean, what's okay? So it depends on the in, on the opponent. It's like high school, I guess. Like when I used to get picked on in high school, it depended on the person who's picking on me. If it was someone that I thought I could handle, I'd stick up for myself. But if I thought that I was going to get my ass handed to me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it on. I mean, I think there's. I think it's more about respect. That's what. That's what. You know, <laughs> we're talking like we know, but I'm assuming that it's about respect. Like if you show, show that you're will, you've got. You know, you're willing to sort of fight back. I think the risk if you suck a dick is like they haven't even taken you out of the courtroom <laughs> you're on your fucking knees trying to suck a dick I'm sucking my lawyer's dick I'm sucking the judge's dick I'm sucking the prison guard's dick so Mr. the judge is like Mr. Anderson if you'd literally finish not guilty <laughs> so the, the court reporter's trying to type their notes while I'm sucking their dick I'm sucking everybody's dick the guy for the next trial he's just waiting there I'm sucking his dick I think, could you freak people out by, like, if you sucked enough dick on the first day, do you think people would be... <laughs> yeah, it works the opposite way. Like, you can't be a fucking psycho who no one's going to fuck with, but it's like, that guy has got the most ferocious appetite for dick. Like, imagine, like, if you get out of, like, you know, get out of that prison van, you're like, all right, these lips are made for sucking dick. Who's in? <laughs> Fellas? Fellas? It's, it's kind of like reverse psychology. Yeah. There would be a bunch of people going, why, has he got AIDS? Like, why is this guy so you keen to suck? Dick all the time. I, I, dude, just come here, let me suck your dick. Yeah, I reckon you could, you could, you could double bluff him. I think that's probably the best way, actually, is to oh. say you're just riddled with sexual, sexual diseases, STDs, is probably the best offense, isn't it? Do they care in prison? Like, uh, do they care if you're riddled with STDs? I suppose someone who's in there for life isn't gonna give a fuck, are they? No, it shortens your life. Um, yeah, I know I. I don't know, like, what happens if you, like, bite some guy's cock off? Uh, what do you mean? What are the consequences, like, morally or <laughs> within the prison walls? Are you saying, okay, so you... I'm asking, do you spit or swallow? <laughs> okay, so now I see what you're saying. So, like, that's the way you make your statement when you're into yeah. prison. So it's first like... Day. First day they come in and they're like, hey, Baba comes down and he's like, yeah, Anderson, yeah, you think you're hilarious now. Well, you're not going to be so hilarious when I've got my big Baba cock in your mouth and I bite it off. The what happens then? I think that sends a statement out. Actually, I think that's not a bad compromise. Yeah. Could you bite through a man's penis? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, my bottom tooth is a little loose because I got knocked out playing footy when I was young. But in that situation, I'd be risk I'd be willing to risk my plate coming out. Yeah, in this guy's cock. I, yeah, I'd give it a crack. I reckon. Think about though, like a chewy shake is hard to get through. Imagine trying to like you wouldn't get through it in one in one bite. I'm vegetarian, but I'm willing to give it a crack. Like, I know, I would have no, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, look, it's worth it, just for the fact that, you know, you, you're going to get a reputation as being someone not to put, no, people are going to learn not to put their dick in your mouth. I reckon you only have to bite one guy's cock off before other guys stop put, start putting their cock in your mouth. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's, it, it, it sends a clear warning, doesn't yeah. it? That's actually probably not a bad, I wonder if, like, if we, if we get downloaded in prison, do they have access to the internet in prison? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, when I was uh, doing Glasshouse, um, I, I was in the valley in Brisbane, four o'clock in the morning, end of a big night, and uh, I, I was uh, getting um, some breakfast uh, to try to sober up before I went home. And this dude was at the next table, and he had like, you know, he was just a fucking massive dude. And he looked at me, and he was like, "You," and I was like, "Oh no." He goes, "You." They used to make us watch your show in prison <laughs> and and it was like they used to make us 
watch it like it was part of the rehab process was the or punishment like that was the really bad ones you know instead of going put in solitary they made to watch the glass house again and again yeah I, I don't know but like if there are people listening to this in prison i would like it to get out that i'm a vicious uh fucking cockbiter <laughs> don't mess with me bitches it's like every episode you're getting a new nickname last week it was fish in a barrel and now it's uh, the vicious cockbiter. Yeah, the old vicious cockbiter. Yeah, I mean, a lot of comedians, you know, there's old puppet fucker Strassman and old cockbiter Anderson. Um, so, would, do you think that's a... I mean, would you feel bad if, if suddenly, just say we are downloaded in prison a lot and there's a rash of cockbitings, would you feel bad or do you think, well, fuck it, no, you know, that's a defence that people are using? I think if you stick your dick in someone's mouth, you've got to... Against their will. Against their will. You've got, but even not against their will. Like even when it's like not against their will, you've got to be aware that there's a possibility that they might bite your cock off. Can someone be mouth raped? Yeah, definitely. Really? definitely. All, you do, all you have to do is keep your jaw clenched. Yeah, but they could hold it open or something. How? With their hands. Have you tried to, that's, that would be really hard to open someone's jaw. I've never tried it, Charlie, but I mean, you're like nothing in life that you really want's easy. You've got to work at these things. If you if you really want to mouth rape someone, you've got to you've got to work hard and dream that you can believe you can do it. Because you know, like sexual assault has a lot of definitions, like digital penetration and stuff. Like sexual assault's not always just about intercourse. It's, it can be just like anything. But I wonder if anyone's been like mouth raped. Definitely, they definitely would have. Yeah. Definitely. If you stick your finger in someone's mouth unwillingly, that can be sexual. Uh, that can be sexual assault, can't it? Yeah, I guess so. I love it that you ask me all these questions like I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Every question, like so, like it's like I. Well, I am about to head out to the festival. I need to know what I can do and can't do. Sometimes when we're doing this podcast, it does seem like you're planning a lot of crimes <laughs> and you're running them by me first to see what you will get away with. All right, let's we can wind this up. We got this up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, we didn't really talk about music that much. Uh, we were going to do a special behind the scenes at Splendor thing, but we ended up talking about Mouth rape. <laughs> so that brings to close another wonderful episode of Tofop. Jeez, uh, God, we really just got to stay on topic one of these weeks. Can't, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, I look. I just like to say to any puppet fuckers out there, um, fuck your puppets proudly. <laughs>